Hello, happy to meet cute listeners. This is a very special little moment for Fallon and I, where we get to announce something super exciting. Um, Hi, Fallon. (laughs) Hi. This is so exciting. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, We are both grinning like fools right now because Fallon's sophomore novel, Just My Type, releases on February 7th, and we are doing a very special launch event together. So before I tell you those details, um, let me read you a quick little pitch for the book, which is absolutely incredible. To win the job of her dreams, a relationship-prone journalist needs to learn how to stay single in this heartwarming and hilarious new romantic comedy from the beloved author of Lease on Love. And if you want to read more, go ahead and look up Just My Type. It is seriously a joy of a rom-com, and I cannot wait to just uh, scream all about it at Fallon's launch event, which we will be having at Meet Cute Bookshop in San Diego on February. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited. And um, that will be on Saturday, February 11th at 7.30 p.m., We will be live in person chatting and um, Fallon has a very special surprise for you. (laughs) I do. I know we have talked on the podcast before about the gray sweatpants cookies. They are happening. It is a thing. I have all my supplies, including the penises. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) candies. Yay. (laughs) All right. Well, we can't wait to see you there and have some. Fallon sign all of your books. And thank you so much for being a part of our podcast family. All right. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Um, Yeah. Okay. Bye. to meet cute listeners. We are so happy to be here with another episode. Um, I am Courtney Kay, joined by my amazing co-host Fallon Ballard. And we we are so excited to have Matt here, who is publishing under the name M.A. Wardell. And Matt just writes the swooniest, steamiest, gayest, sweetest (laughs) romances. And um, we are so excited to chat with him. Matt, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for saying all that. It's still, um, (laughs) you know, I'm not used to hearing people talk about my my writing. So it's I'm getting used to it. Get used to it, my friend. (laughs) When Courtney describes a book as the gayest, you know that A, she loves it and B, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) That, I take that as a compliment because honestly, <laughs> my goal was to make it gay, like super gay. So if that's how you describe it. Yay. Yay. We okay. love that. <laughs> and um, we're here to 
in support of the RomCon, which is coming up this August um, and is just an amazing convention that celebrates diversity and romance. And so we're all here to support them and super excited about that as well. And Matt, we can't wait to hear more about your upcoming book called Teacher of the Year, if you would like to share about it with our listeners. Sure. So this book, uh, gosh, where do, I, where do I even start? I've always wanted to write a book about a teacher. Um, so without telling too much about myself, I have a history as as a teacher in education, and there's always been um, kind of this underlying joke among teachers. If you're a teacher, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, <laughs> you still might know what I'm talking about. Um, about hot dads, right? It's, like a, it's a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. You Every That's once awesome. in a while, it doesn't happen every year, but every couple of years, you get a hot dad. And... I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking about a little bit. I'm talking about like a really hot dad. The and, rare specimen. <laughs> and when it happens, it's magic, you know, because suddenly field trips and teacher conferences and, <laughs> and open house, everything is just a little more exciting. Not And not just for you, but for the other teachers too. So this is a true story. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm telling you this. But one year... <laughs> I had a father in my class and this man was so good looking. I mean, it was, he, he looked like a, like a model. I mean, he was just beautiful. He was a beautiful man. (laughs) And anytime he would come to the school, all the other teachers would come over and (laughs) peeking in or, you know, they would all be looking for him. And so anyway, that's kind of where the seed of this came from for this specific book. But then I also have this idea of just writing about queer teachers. Queer teachers over the last year or two have really come under attack. It's really hard to be a queer teacher, depending on where you where you are in the country. And so I just thought as a way of celebrating. So there's actually a series. I have four planned. Like I have all the ideas. This was just the first one. Um, so. Anyway, I didn't really tell you that much about the book. Anyway, okay, let me tell you about the book. <laughs> well, everybody's running out to uh, like pre-order it already. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like you well, encapsulated all of it with "hot dad." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that is. I mean, I don't think I don't know if that's a trope. Is that a trope? Hot dad? Oh, for sure. Is that a trope? It is now. Okay. <laughs> it, I was going to say, if it's not, I made it up. Um, Love it's it. definitely like a hot dad trope. The other thing that was kind of important to me, and I do want to call her out um, when I talk about this. So I am Jewish and, you know, you don't really read about a lot of Jewish people, especially in romance, rom-coms, mm-hmm. like it's almost non-existent, except for Helena Greer, whose book came out last year. Um, and actually her book, which is nothing like my book, but still neither here nor there. When I read it, I was like, yeah, I'm really, I'm going to lean into the the Jewishness as well. So my main character is Jewish and he's like really Jewish. Like he's, he's like speaking Yiddish a lot. He's when he's thinking, even when he's speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know Yiddish, I think you'll still understand most of it. 
um, I tried to I tried to write it so that in context you would know what the words meant. Um, and if not, you can always Google it, right? Like it's it's not mm-hmm. like tons of Yiddish; it's just words here and there. And a lot of them, I think, are co- pretty common words. Like you know what a mensch is, right? If I said, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, he's such a mensch," you know what that means. Um, so I leaned hard into that, um, and and I wanted it to be funny because I love when I read a book and I'm just laughing. Um, so yeah, I don't know what else can I tell you about it. It was a journey to write this book. Okay, yeah. so I do a, I do a lot of writing um, in my in my my day job professionally, but not fiction writing. And so writing fiction was new for me. Over the last few years, I started toying with it. I started playing with it. Um, I always considered myself a storyteller, but I never actually sat down and wrote fiction. Um, and so I took some classes. I'm still taking classes. I think, you know, I don't know, for me, the more I can learn from different people, the better, the better it's going to be. Um, so I, I planned the book last spring. I think it took me maybe two or three weeks to outline it. I don't know if that's, I have no concept of how long things take for people, but it took me like two or three weeks to outline it. And then in two months, I wrote the first draft. I just like wrote it. Is that normal? I don't That's know. That's amazing. That's pretty no, I'm just like, okay. yeah, I'm very impressed right now. Because, so here's the thing about me. I totally have ADHD, which you probably can tell already in the five minutes that we've been talking. And part of the way my ADHD works is that when I fixate on something, I really fixate on it. And so mm-hmm. I really hyper-focused on this book. Like it was it it became um, almost like an obsession. I could not stop thinking about it all the time. I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking about these people that I was writing about. I would go for a walk and I would have a, like a problem in the story. And then during the walk, I would come up with a solution and, you know, try to jot it down on my phone or something like that. I just could not stop. So I finished the draft in about two months. But nobody told me that when you finish that everyone celebrates and they cheer and they say, oh, my gosh, you wrote a book and you wrote the first draft. And what I realized is that it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> yes. the, dif- the difference between that draft and what you read, Courtney, it's like night and day. I mean, I won't go into all the intricacies of what the changes are because it's, but it's pretty extensive. The entire beginning and the entire end are different. Mm-hmm. There are so many, cha- like ca- total, there are characters that were, their, their whole character changed. Like mm-hmm. they were one way and now they're like a totally different character. So it just changed a lot. And I wasn't, um, I wasn't, nobody told me that was going to happen and nobody prepared me for that. And I'll be honest with you. I had moments where I just thought I'm going to throw it in. Like I'm throwing in the towel. I just felt overwhelmed. It felt overwhelming to me. Um, but I didn't. Yay me. Heck yeah. But it, Yay. <laughs> but there, so one of the, I mean, can I, is it okay if I mention who I worked with a little bit, who helped me? I, sure. Yeah, okay. of course. So we love Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. Amy Spaulding is like, when I grow up, I want to be Amy Spaulding. <laughs> I mean, I just think we she is do. like the coolest human on the planet. She is so cool. Anyway, for sure. 
she were, I worked with her a little bit. She read my first draft and then worked with me. She, and she did that thing where she gave, she gave me like, I don't even know. It was like 10 pages. And this is what she called it. Opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I know. Wasn't that, I was like, that's so sweet. And I have to tell you anyone out there who is interested in writing romance or rom-com specifically is kind of her jam if you need someone to help you look i'm giving her like a sales pitch here you cannot find someone better than her i mean because not only was the information that she gave me amazing but the way she delivered it was Mm -hmm. so you know she was kind and she was blunt which i appreciated but um like for instance i and we've talked about this courtney before i was really anxious about writing steamy scenes like it was mm-hmm. just something that i had never i'd never done that before and so she basically she just looked at me we were on a zoom and she just said matt get over it <laughs> <laughs> and i was we like all, we all need an amy in our lives <laughs> yeah i was like okay all right um yeah she was just fantastic but she basically gave me these 10 pages of it was, and it, it was overwhelming. And she said that she said, I know this is going to feel overwhelming, but you just got to break it into bite-sized pieces and just do, you know, think about how you can tackle it one thing at a time. And I did. And it took, I mean, it took me longer to do that than it took me to write the draft. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so now it's, it's with an editor who is like a real person who knows how to edit, not me who just has been editing myself. Um, and hopefully she'll make it shine, you know, more. Um, but I'm excited. I, I love it. Like I just, can I just tell you the other thing that's so weird? Okay. So Courtney has just been reading it. And when you sent me something, you sent me a line or something. So I opened it. I wanted to see exactly where you were. And I read a little bit and the weirdest thing happened to me. And I'm, I know this sounds, you're going to think I'm making this up, but I swear I'm not. As I was reading my own book, mm-hmm. I thought, did I write this? Did, was it me? <laughs> That's the best like, feeling. Is, does that happen to you? Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. And I think too, yeah. you know, when you're in it writing, you're so like tunnel vision that you can't see the larger, larger, you know, sense of what's happening. So when you go back and visit it, it's like, oh, there's an actual, this is a book. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I just, I, I was, re- I'm like, I wrote that, those, I made that, that, you know, sentence that's, it's so, it's good. I, did that. I don't remember, I don't, re- but I don't remember it feeling that way when I was writing it. Or when I read it 400 times, you know, as I was working on it, but because I kind of, I, maybe it's that whole thing where they say, put it away and back to it, or I don't know. So I'm excited. I I, I hope people like it as much as you did. Believe me, people are going to love it. And I love how Fallon and I are just like bobbleheads here. Like, Uh yeah, yeah, uh uh uh-huh. Like we just, (laughs) everything you're saying, we've, we've been through. Like we've been through, you know, your journey is, is a great one. And just so proud of you and so excited for everyone to pick up your book. You know, the one thing that I just thought of that I think is something just that's interesting. I feel like writing this book, it's a lot like being a classroom teacher. Hmm. It You feel alone, you know, hmm. like I was writing this book and I, I, I felt alone. Like I didn't, I really didn't have 
anyone, I wasn't in like a, a writing group or anything like that. Even I did take classes where I would share a little bit, but overall I felt very alone. And when you're a classroom teacher, it feels that way too, especially mm-hmm. if you're a, like a primary school teacher. Like if you teach third grade and you're in the room with those kids all day by yourself, it feels like you're on your own a lot of the time. Um, so I'm now starting to realize that's not good, that I need to have other people that I can talk to about writing, share my writing. And I'm finding people on social media and things like that. So that's that's feeling good. That's yeah, and I think Courtney and I have both talked about this on the podcast that so far one of the best things about the podcast for us personally is like, each week we have this outlet to talk about all of these things that it's just such a specific experience. And like, yeah, I can go and complain to my husband or vent to my husband or talk to him or whatever, but he doesn't get it, you know, like he listens, but he doesn't get it. And so when you just have these conversations with other writers, it just, it's just so affirming to be Mm -hmm. like, I am not the only one who has felt these incredibly terrifying or anxious or whatever feelings. Um, and it's just so important to have those connections and have those people that, that do understand what you're going through. And so what I'm going through now, and I feel like Courtney, you've talked about this. I've started working on the second book and I literally have these moments where I think maybe I only had one book in me. (laughs) (laughs) That is also very normal feeling. (laughs) Like, like this, this is horrible as I'm writing. This is terrible. This is like, this is trash. It's awful. Um, but then, you know, I just keep going because I know that, it, that I, it's like the difference between your head and your heart, maybe. I don't know. But. And also with each new book you write, you know more. So mm-hmm. it's different that first draft because you're also having to silence your, editor voice, you know, that has learned so much and, and just like let so it true. be a first draft. Uh, yeah, I, I totally feel you. But yeah, I think going. there's that you always are like, oh, well, it'll get easier as I know more. <laughs> and the opposite is true. It's actually harder the more that you know. It's mm. harder to pull yourself out and just kind of like let yourself draft sometimes because you know too much. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. It's Um, better when you don't know. It's true. (laughs) But I was telling Fallon, so this is your first romance novel. I am like flabbergasted. I like the talent. Good word. No, I'm just like, it's unreal, Matt. You have an absolute talent. And I'm so excited for readers to find you and enjoy your work. It's just like such a gift. So how, how did you get to the point where... Okay, sorry. <laughs> when is your book publishing and how did you get to this journey of deciding to self-publish? So my plan right now is that it's going to probably publish like late April, early May. I haven't picked a date yet because there's plates spinning, right? Um, the biggest thing is when it comes back from the editor, I have this fear that it's going to be, you know, like like... I have to change so much. It's going to take me. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't um, think so either. Um, so, and I'm also, you know, figuring out it's self-publishing. It's a lot of work. Like you have to do a lot of things to mm-hmm. that 
because you don't have a publisher to do it. So how did I get to this place? Like, honestly, it's taken me a lot of thinking and self-reflecting and contemplating because I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, honestly. Part Okay, so I'll be totally honest because that's all I know how to do. Um, part of me at the beginning, it was about, oh my gosh, nobody, and when I say nobody, I mean an agent or a traditional publisher is going to want to publish a book about a super queer Jewish guy like mm-hmm. that. Who wants that? Like there was that little voice in me that was saying that. So, and, and I will also tell you without naming any names, I have had people who are in publishing who 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 are published authors traditionally published authors i should say tell me uh um how do i say it it's okay if someone who is uh female or female presenting writes this kind of book but people don't want men writing this kind of a book i've had people tell me that so mm-hmm. i have all those little voices i don't like in that my, <laughs> Well, I'm I don't like that. Like it I don't like that they said that to you. I'm sorry for that. Um, so I had all these little voices, and then the other thing is, I am an extremely impatient person, like really impatient. And traditional publishing is slower than molasses. And I know this because, without telling too much about what I do for a living, I also publish uh, traditionally in another genre, and it's like from the time that I wrote the proposal for the book to the time the book comes out, it's like three and a half years. I just don't have that in me. Like I don't, I don't have it in me to wait that long. Um, so there's that part. The other thing is I also, maybe this is totally um, narcissistic for me to say this, but I want to control it. Right. Like I want to pick the cover. Can I tell you how many amazing books I have read and I hated the cover and I won't name any names maybe when we when we're not on the, on the <laughs> But like fair. There are some books that I've read that I'm like, "Oh my god, that is the worst cover." Like it's horrible. <laughs> and then you read the book and it's like the best book in the world. There's one right now that I'm thinking about that I love so much. Like I think it's one of my favorite books I've ever read, but it's also one of the worst covers I've ever seen. So the thought of that it mortifies me okay right it mortifies me i think it mortifies and, all of us <laughs> it's like yes, one of our biggest fears <laughs> would you have your covers are beautiful we got so lucky. lucky got okay. so lucky yeah. <laughs> seriously so there's that part and then there's also the money i mean if mm-hmm. i'm being totally honest so for me it's this is like an investment for me, right? So I'm spending a little bit of my own money to pay for um, somebody to help me with the developmental edit and somebody to edit it right now. I'm going to pay a cover artist to to make a cover. Who I won't say who it is, but I have a cover artist and it's somebody really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and what else? That's like the biggest expense, really. And but I don't. I mean, I've heard from people, some people who have been on your podcast, but I won't say who they are, like how the money works. That's not that many people. I know. Uh, And the way the money elimination. The way the the money works in traditional publishing, it sounds horrible. 
I like, hear it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> no <laughs> secret. Like, I, t- <laughs> no. I took a so I took a class last year. Um, there's a great. I'm gonna totally. I'm gonna totally pimp this person. So his name is <laughs> Milo Todd. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's 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 a trans author and teacher, and he's phenomenal. And I've taken some classes with him, and he's awesome. Anyway, Milo Todd. He he did a he did a class on querying agents for queer people. I was like, okay, let me take that class and see. And by the nice. end of the class, I basically told my I said, Milo, you're you're not selling this to me at all. It sounds awful. It sounds horrible. And uh, he's like, yeah, it is. Uh, And so I was like, well, I mean, so here's the thing. What I've been told, I mean, I'm not very good with math, but what I've been told is that for my kind of book, you know, by the time the advance that you would get, you know, and then the number of books you have to sell to earn that advance, it's like, and then here's the thing. People who are self-publishing, are some of them are making like more than the advance a month. Now, I'm not trying to get rich. Like I'm not, I just want to pay for my books. That's you know, fair. if I can just yeah. make enough money to, you know, I mean, obviously if I can make a, like take a trip, I would love that. Um, next year's big, a big wedding anniversary for me. I'm taking uh-huh. a trip. If I could pay for that trip, that would be great. Yeah. Earning back your advance. Um is challenging. Like I know I personally had to sort of go into my debut debut year just with the mindset that I was not going to earn out. And right. I I just had to put myself there so that I wasn't with this expectation of, you know, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um because it's yeah, it's tough. It's really tough to earn out your advance for sure. So all of that all of that information and then also, you know, and I know that you all know this, but just the stories of people who are querying for a year, two years, and, 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 then, and then if you're lucky and you get an agent, then it t- they have to sell your book. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and someone, it might have been Milo during this thing, the, the number of times that you get an agent and then they can't sell your first book, apparently is, I can't remember the number, but it was a high number. I just thought, you know what? I love this book. Like, I just love it. It's it's so yeah. special to me. I'm just going to put my own gas into the tank, which <laughs> is kind of funny if you know the book. Yes. Um, and, and I'm going to just do it and see what happens. I'm not opposed to traditional publishing. I mean, if I put this book out and people love it and somebody came to me and said, hey, do we, we might want to publish your next book. Yeah. Which happens. Maybe. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I can see, um, I haven't read the whole book yet, but I started reading and I can just tell even from just the first chapter, your voice is very distinct and (laughs) unique. And I think that that is the thing that readers are really drawn to, um, is it makes your books stand out and you feel immediately like drawn into the story and connected. And, um, so I can see how these will probably do very well, which is good. And then you're reaping all the financial benefits from that. So that sounds kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. So where I know, like, as a traditionally published author, and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners, too, who want to self-publish, 
like, or, or who think like in the future, like that would be something really fun to do on the side or for the main event. But where do you even begin? Like, so you, you have your book that you know you want to self-publish. Where do you go from there? Well, I think what I've learned from just watching other people is that this is going to sound like such a cliche thing to say, but I think everybody's journey is different. So mm -hmm. I, like I, like I said before, for me, I'm looking at it as a business investment, right? Like I'm running a business and if you want a, a business to work, you have to put a little money into it, but not everybody is in a situation where they can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I see people who don't have an, can't hire an editor, can't hire a, a cover artist. So they're doing that themselves where they're like, you know, they have their mother edit their book or something like that, which no offense mm -hmm. to moms, but like, I'm not letting my mom edit my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, so, so really you don't need to spend all that money. I mean, you have to have a book and you have to, you have to, I think you have to buy like the ISBN, which costs maybe a hundred dollars. That's like the minimum that you have to spend and you can slap a book up on Amazon and people, People do. Um, that's not what I wanted to do because for a while I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I was, and the thought of even sending a book, sending a query out and then having somebody ask to see my book and have it not be a in a certain state was like mortifying to me. So I was, so then I was putting money into it anyway. So at that point I'm like, well, if I'm spending money, well, then I should be the one to reap the benefit, not... Mm -hmm. Um, not some publisher. And we could have a whole conversation about the traditional publishing industry right now, which is not looking so sweet as well. So, <laughs> you know, so like there's that too. So I'm just, and what I've heard, and I don't know who said this, but I have heard this from someone is that traditional publishing is looking at what self-publishers are doing and they're, they're shaking in their boots because they're losing money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're seeing, um, I mean, I know I have seen several over the past couple months of self-published titles that have been bought by publishers mm -hmm. and then re-released. So clearly, those people that are self-publishing are making a big enough financial impact that a publisher is going to come along and buy your book that you have already self-published and take mm -hmm. it over, which is pretty incredible. Go for them. And Go, the good other for thing, those authors. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And well, the other thing I will tell people is that reach out to people. So here's an example. I'm totally, I'm totally giving all these people like press. I don't know. <laughs> Free plugs. Um, but but these are people that I that have helped me. So there's an author awesome. and her and it's a it's a pen name, and her name is Kay Sterling. I don't know if you've ever heard of her or not. Have you heard of Kay Sterling? You have. Yes. Have you ever read her books? I have not, but I have heard. Okay. So she wrote a book last year. Hold on. I'm going to get it. It's right on my bookshelf. It's like right over here. And nobody can see it, but this is the book that she wrote last year. She has a, Oh yeah. yeah. She oh, I love. It's called the last nanny of Manhattan. And it's a, it's a rom-com about a nanny. And so of course my book is not about a nanny. It's about a kindergarten teacher, but you know, mm -hmm. it's in the same universe. And so I read this book. This book was amazing. I love this book for for all the reasons that I think people are going to love my book, I loved this book. It was, it had kids in it. So there was like that, there's a dad and it's cute and all of that. But, but her, oh, 
a sticker just fell out. Oh, I guess it came with a sticker. Yay. Um, <laughs> she she writes. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the correct terminology is, but her her sex scenes are like they're like next level. Like it's kinky stuff, which that's not what I write. And you know, there's an audience for that. And I didn't hate it when I read it. I was like, oh, this is. <laughs> um, but to look at this book, it doesn't look self published. At mm-hmm. all. Anyway, the point yeah. the point that I'm so I read this book and I loved it and I reached out to her on social media and I said, Oh my gosh, I read your book and I loved it. This woman has she's almost become like a mentor to me. She has talked to me so much about her process and self-publishing and how to do it and what not to do and what to do. And she's had some experiences with um, I won't name the names of them, but some traditional publishers who wanted to publish this book was supposed to be traditionally published mm-hmm. and it, it ended up that she pulled out because mm-hmm. of some things that had happened so I was like oh so hearing those stories from her the other thing without spilling all her tea here on this podcast but like I she makes a living doing this like mm-hmm. she supports her family doing this awesome I think she makes a good living um so all those things kind of just made me think, I'm just going to do this. But mainly, I want a cute cover. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so I think exciting. you have so many possibilities for adorable covers. Like, I can't wait to see how it turns out. Because I could, it's There's like one already... of those where you can see it in my head. Well, so the, the person who's doing it has already, they haven't started working on it, but they've done the thing where we've, talked a lot i've given them um i've given them photographs and i've given them some i've given them the book but also i pulled out snippets of character descriptions um the other thing that i do which i don't think a lot of authors do but maybe they do i i i like to have um a photograph of character like every character in the book i like a photograph or or two maybe one or two photographs as a reference especially for the main characters, because I feel like I really want to know what they look like. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, and I don't use like famous people or anything like that. I just look in like um, closed catalogs or something like mm-hmm. that. And I just find hot guys basically. <laughs> um, and I'm like, Oh, that's Olin. That's Marvin. And, and so I have these photographs that I used when I was writing. And so I was able to send those photographs to her. Um, so so we'll see what it looks like. But but to your point, she's already come up with a concept. But I haven't yeah. seen it, but she's explained it to me. It's good. Yay. So exciting. Oh, my gosh. We cannot wait. Oh, That's okay. always a fun step. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us. It sounds like so much work and also so rewarding. And I love the aspect of control that you have. And so leading into our next topic, you must need um, an outlet to relax, which leads us to, <laughs> okay, you guys. I want to play, the- play the theme song right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can legally do that, though. <laughs> I don't think you can. We can. I could sing it. RuPaul's Drag Grace. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so good. I'll put it um, in the, uh, the social media graphic. Yeah. Courtney revealed to us in our little no, pre-recording discussion here a terrible, <laughs> horrible, em- 
embarrassing truth <laughs> that she has never watched Drag Race. Courtney, I can't even with you right now. <laughs> it's not intentional. I am a horrible queer person. Like, I, it's not intentional. I just... I, I'm so behind on TV. Like I'm watching shows that are four years old. Four years old. <laughs> ah. um, I guess we can sort of forgive you a little bit, but um, I would like to have convinced you to jump on the train by the time we finish this episode. So well, and there's a new season coming up, right? So it's the perfect time. Just started. Yeah. So we just got the just first started. episode of uh, season 15. So Matt, what were your thoughts after the premiere? Oh, what were my thoughts? So here's the thing about me. I am a drag race stan. Like, okay, the way people on the internet love Taylor Swift, that's how I love drag race. Like, drag race is by Taylor Swift. I watch drag race every day. Some thing of it. Like, I've seen every episode of every season of every franchise, because they're all over the world now. Um... If you've never seen Drag Race Thailand, that is my favorite. It is phenomenal. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But so for me, it's like my, when I'm anxious or I want to like chill or I want to do something, I want to have something on in the background, I just put Drag Race on. It's like on in my house all the time, Hmm. much to my husband's chagrin. But he likes (laughs) it too, but he doesn't like it as much as me. And here's why I like it. And here's where we're going to get Courtney to, to, to watch it. (laughs) <laughs> it is so queer like it there's mm-hmm. nothing on tv more queer than drag race and the good thing about it is because i've watched it since season one which was not a very good season but anyway that's neither here nor there um <laughs> it, it used to be very like i hate to say this as, as a derogatory thing but it was very like homogenous like it was just gay men dressing up like women but now there's non-binary people, there's trans people, there's there's even been um, an AFAB queen, which which was like huge. So like mm-hmm. a cisgender female who is a drag queen. She was on the UK, not the US. So if you didn't watch the, 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 the UK season, then you would have missed her. But anyway, um, it's just so queer. And it just, it's like unabashedly queer. Mm-hmm. And I never had anything like that on TV growing up. Probably you didn't either. Mm-mm. And even the shows that I like, I love Will and Grace and I love, you know, like Queer as Folk and all those. But this, it's just, I don't know. I, I just love it so much. Right? It seems like a celebration. It's just joyful. Yeah. 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 It is. It's fun. It's funny as fuck. It is like <laughs> the show that I am most often laughing out loud to. Like, in every season, no matter who who is on it that particular season, it's just hilarious. There's music, there's dancing, there's the most amazing outfits you will ever see in your entire life. Like, it's so creative, the things that they come up with, the things that they're able to do in, like, a few hours. It just blows my mind, and it just makes me happy every time I watch it. You can't beat and it. And also, not, this doesn't happen like on every show, but there are some times where it's kind of deep, you know, like people talk Mm -hmm. about trauma or they talk about like conversion therapy or they talk like, cause they're real people. Right. So um, let's see. Okay. So the new season that 
was a lot. Like it was a long, it was long, right? I mean, it was long, I don't know. Yeah. It was a little too long, but no, I, you can never have too much drag race, but it was a little too long. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a good group. It's a good group, right? It's a lot of, it's a lot of them, which is yeah. kind of hard. Um, I don't know. Like I loved, I can't remember the person's name who won, but I loved that. I loved them. And what I loved about them, so the person who won, because every week somebody wins, like they win the whole show, like for that week. And the person who won, I say she, because I'm talking about her in drag. She was kind of quiet, like throughout the show, she was a little, a little bit more soft-spoken. And then she gets on stage and she was not like that at all. And she what, I don't know what, what is that she's called? Like the she's, karate chop. Yeah, she was like chopping <laughs> so wood. Cool. Like with her hands, you know, like. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. It was amazing. And then she won. And so to have her be the winner and, you know, there are all these other queens that are really loud and she's just kind of sitting in the background was so cool. Like I was so glad that she won. Like relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, um. This season is going to be really interesting because I think we're sort of forming like two camps almost of like the social media queens and the performer queens. Totally. And it's really interesting to see that sort of like new dynamic that, I mean, especially during the pandemic, when we didn't have clubs and performances and shows, social media sort of took over that mm-hmm. role. And so now you see these queens that are like, A, they're so young at like <laughs> Oh my gosh, they look like they look like young. teenagers. Well they probably they're are teenagers. No, babies. But you know, they're just it's like a different world than, you know, the queens that have been doing this for 10, 15 years and have a background in performing. And so I'm so interested to see. And I was really surprised pleasantly that the I feel like the social media queens did a really good job in their performances in the first episode. And I was a little worried that they just like, weren't going to be able to hack it, but they were surprisingly entertaining. And so I was like, Ooh, this is going to be really interesting to see how this goes. So they have this season, they always do something that's like a little bit of a gimmick. So this season, there are twins, identical twins Ooh. who are they're I think they're big on TikTok, maybe. Yeah. I don't know because I don't really go on TikTok. Um, and they were good. Yeah, I was surprised. I haven't seen them also, on TikTok. Well, and I was seen, like, I haven't seen them. Yeah. And also adorable out of drag. Yes. And I have yeah. a little bit of a, so my husband is an identical twin. So like whenever I see identical twins, I'm always like, oh, like it has a little soft spot <laughs> in my in my heart. Um, yeah, they were good. I mean, I was, and I think the other queens by the end of that show, by the end of that episode, they were like, oh, they're really, they actually are kind of good. Yeah. I liked that they didn't take themselves too seriously. Cause I think that was maybe what I was a little worried about is that they were going to kind of come in with this attitude of like, oh, we've got a million followers and we're all that and whatever. Yeah. And then, but the way that they poked fun at themselves in their numbers, I was like, okay, you get it. You get it. Yeah. That's good. I mean, they're definitely, they definitely seem, less mature you know which they probably are i don't know how old they are but they look like they're you know 21 or something like that Um, (laughs) but they act a little immature you know and that's you could see that the other people were a little annoyed by them but i think you know who they're i think is going to happen to them remember um no see courtney could be like oh my gosh what are they talking about 
Remember Aquarius? <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so remember at the beginning, Aquaria was like that. She was annoying. She was young. She was a look queen. And by the end, she had this trajectory and this storyline where she actually, she ended up winning. Um, and yeah. I feel like that, that could happen with them. But I also think there's no way that the show is going to have identical twins on and there's not going to be some kind of drama with them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're going to be in the bottom two together at some point in time. Like Totally. <laughs> That they feels com- almost like a given. Do they compete as one? No. Okay. So they're competing. So they could they could go against each other, and then they could like you know one so- twin is eliminating the other twin. Oh dang! So I'm sure yeah. that's gonna happen. I mean, yeah, it it's probably gonna happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it. It's gonna be so good. Because <laughs> whenever there's the any kind of you know, like um, like Alyssa Edwards and Coco Montrese, these were these two queens who had a history, like a big history together. So of course they ended up, I think they <laughs> might have been up against each other twice. You know, yeah. they, the show, they, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're producing the show. But it's so good, Courtney. It's so, so good. good. Oh, you don't have to convince me. I pro- How do you watch it? <laughs> How do you – it? Can, what do you stream it on? How do you watch it? One time I tried to watch it and I couldn't find it on streaming. It's on Paramount Plus right now, most of them. I don't think <gasps> oh, all of the seasons are on that, though. I actually but a lot so, of them are. Okay. We just Everything's on Paramount Plus except for the new season is not on Paramount Plus. Okay. So if you want to watch the new season – you either so like if you don't have cable like me if you have mm-hmm. cable it's on MTV but I don't have I don't I can't that's not a choice for me you have to like buy it so like I you can go on iTunes or Amazon and you can buy the season it's like I think it's like twenty bucks um, and then you get every week when the show comes out it you can watch it that's okay. what I do but I also have Paramount Plus and I there's also a app called wow presents which is the company i guess that makes it that's where you can watch all the ones from the the other countries like there's drag race canada there's drag the uk drag race is really really good oh my gosh yeah thank you i'm so excited so excited and i was saying i think you should start with season six Okay. Don't start at the beginning. Like, if you're going to go back wait, and do, like, a wait, whole wait, rewatch. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't agree with you. <laughs> what? I think you should start with season five. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel season about Season six is the best, though. <laughs> I mean, okay. I can give you that. But season six season, is just the best. But season five, you've got Alyssa Edwards, Alaska, it's like all the icons are in that season. And then the mm. person who won, I don't want to say. It's like, that's to me, that's like, it's it's like Roxy Andrews. That's um, Detox. That's all season five. Yeah, I like, um, I tend to lean more towards the comedy. And so I feel okay. like season six is just top tier comedy. That's, that's, um. Adore, right? And Bianca. Okay, so Adore Delano has the best intro line in the history of Drag Race. (laughs) So on the first episode, the first time they show her in her confessional, she goes, goes, hi, I'm Adore, and I'm a fucking Libra. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, 
and you're my favorite person in the world. Right I now. love like, her already. She's, <laughs> she's hilarious. Sometimes not intentionally, but still hilarious. <laughs> and now, wait a minute. And then I, we don't have to talk about Drag Race anymore. But I do want to ask Fallon, did you watch the All Stars All Winner season? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was like, I've watched it like three times. I, I think what I really learned from that season is I just loved that format and I'm Same. a little bit sad that we're not, I, it doesn't work with this many people. Yeah. Obviously you can't keep everyone around. It's just too many, but I, I hope that they keep that format with the all-stars forever because getting to see them all every week was like, again, the joy. The joy was off the charts, and we need that. And I think I think they wouldn't those those people would not have come back. It, it's not worth like they they, they had to make yeah. it worth their while to come back. And so on the this season, Courtney, it was all people who had won. And the unlike other seasons, nobody ever went home. It was they had a point system. So when you won, you earned points and you accumulated points. But what was so great is that That's you got cool. to see everyone every week. Oh. So good. That's so cool. It was so so good. I mean, it was, that was like the best. You all need to have like an after show commentary. (laughs) We should have another podcast. I know. (laughs) I love it. I could talk about Drag Race forever. We'll do, um, we'll do a follow-up. After Courtney watches some Drag Race, we will come back and discuss and debrief. (laughs) I'm doing it. I I can't wait. I'm prioritizing it. You're going to love it. So what, You're going to love it. What I tell Fallon is like basically since Pitch Wars, so since like 2020, I, I just, everything has been on pause. Like all of my like consuming of shows. And so now that I'm off deadline, it's like, tell me what to watch. Tell me what to do. <laughs> so I'm super excited. Very excited. The other good show, if, which maybe you've seen is, have you seen We Are, we Are Here? No. On Ooh, HBO. I don't watch that. So we're here on HBO. It's you have to have HBO to see it, but it's um it's three drag queens from Drag Race. So it's Bob the Drag Queen, Shangela, who was just on Love. Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I saw Shangela. Okay, I could I could join you in. I, could join you. <laughs> I saw Shangela on Dancing with the Stars. I loved her. Yeah. So it's Shangela. Bob the Drag Queen and Eureka, who's another one of my favorite, who also just came out as trans Aww. on the show, on the show. <laughs> anyway, the the format of the show is, remember the movie um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Remember Found that old you know. movie? Yes. Did, okay, okay. Have you not seen that movie? No. Oh my god! This is getting a Courtney. little bit ridiculous on my part. <laughs> okay, you have to watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Okay. Anyway, there's a part in this movie where the, there are these three drag queens, and they're traveling across the Australian uh, outback, and they stop in these like tiny little podunk towns, and they come out of their bus in full drag, and of course, some bad things happen. So this mm. show, we're we're here. It's reality. It's not. It's not scripted, and it's these three drag queens. And what they do is they go to these podunk towns in the United no. States, and they put, they find three people in the town who are usually they're either queer people or like the last one was so stinking. Oh my gosh, I cried. It was um, there was a little girl who was trans, and it was her mother, 
and they get made up in drag and they put on a drag show in these like scary towns. It's the sweetest, most beautiful oh show. I'm literally going to cry. So Fallon, you would like, you would love that. Cause it's, it's, yeah. it's, I got to watch really that. Good. You got to watch it. And there's three seasons of it. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh. Love it. Snat, this okay. has been a joy. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media so they can make sure to know when your book is going to come out? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is M-A Wardell. Wardell has two L's. Um, author. That's my Instagram. M-A Wardell author. Now, hold on. I'm going to tell you my 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 Twitter, too. I think it's the same, but I don't even remember. Isn't that terrible? No. So my Twitter is just M.A. Wardell. There's no author at the end of it. Um, Yeah. And I tweet quite a bit because it's fun tweeting. And there's all these, I know, we're probably not supposed to, I think we're not supposed to be on Twitter anymore. But (laughs) there's- Do what you want. (laughs) There's really cool people that tweet about writing and their process. So it's like, it's, it's like a good place to find community if you're looking Mm -hmm. for for other authors. Um, That's why I think a lot of us are still there because it's a lot of like the space where we started and originally found our writing community. At least that's what's true for me. And so it's very hard for me to leave and it's going to see, we'll see. I mean, if it gets to that point, fine, but it, you know, I'll hold out as long as as I can. Uh, Yeah. Same. Oh goodness. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. I can't wait for our next episode that will all we will talk about is drag race. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on once the uh, season. Okay. I'm not going to write this book, but somebody should write a rom-com with a show like Drag Race. Absolutely. Right? Like, yes. Absolutely. Right? Oh, like oh Brooklyn Heights and Vanjie, right? You know yes. what I'm talking about. Oh, that yes. there's a rom com there. I haven't figured 100%. it out, but it's there. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody somebody just got a free idea as long as you actually write it and we get to read it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Credit, cre- credit, M. A. Wardell, and your acknowledgement. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and everybody, go um, look out for Teacher of the Year because it's absolutely incredible and just such a joy having you on, Matt. And thank, thank you, you, everyone, for being here. And we will see you next time. Hugs and kisses. Bye. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.